I'm Taylor. I'm Kat. And welcome to Square Mile of Murder. Hi. Woo-hoo! Hello. This is this is that. This is we are them. Yep. Hi. Yeah. Having having last month off this last month off has not really done anything for us, has it? We're it's made me forget how to do this properly, I think. <laughs> Who knew? It, it comes and goes so fast. <laughs> but it's right, well, fine. We're just we're just gonna have to we're just gonna have to try. Yeah. Get back into it. You're all here. We're here. We're just gonna muddle through and make the best of it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um so we hope you all enjoyed last week's episode about the green children of Woolpit. And we love hearing your theories about what happened and where they came from. We're assuming that you sent in theories. <laughs> I mean, you could just read the script, could no, you? No, never. <laughs> I can cut that out. It's fine. Just, you know, presume, and it makes it sound like people talk to us. Okay. Um, now, if the story of the green children didn't scream, you know, aliens to you which it should have yeah i mean a little bit we do love an alien although what was my theory like time Yours was time traveling, traveling. Aliens. Yeah, yeah 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 like doctor who's i mean time I think lords so. yeah 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 i still stand by i that. don't i don't know i think i i lost that thread a little bit i don't blame you <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah so if that didn't say alien don't worry, because this week we're going to ride that UFO train just a little bit longer. And we're also sticking with the county of Suffolk in the southeast of England with the story of the Rendlesham Forest incident. Very exciting. Yeah. Now, although it's much less well-known than its American counterpart, the Rendlesham Forest incident has become known as Britain's Roswell. That gives you any any idea yeah. about where we're going. Yeah. So let's let's do it. Let's do the damn thing. Yeah. So Rendlesham Forest, as the name suggests, is a forest. <laughs> it's owned by Forestry England. It's open to the public. It's got miles of cycle paths and trails and camping facilities and it, yeah, it's scenic, it's beautiful, great place for those who love the outdoors, take the kids out once in a while and wear themselves out. <laughs> uh, but beyond that, there isn't anything particularly special about Rendlesham that singles it out from other forestry commission lands you know, throughout the UK, like the New Forest on the south coast, Dolby Forest on the North York Moors, or even the legendary Sherwood Forest. If you strip away all those stories of rebels who robbed the rich to feed the poor. <laughs> that was until December 26, 1980, when personnel from the United States Air Force claimed to see unidentified lights over the forest. Because, you see, Rendlesham Forest is also the location of RAF Woodbridge now known as MOD Woodbridge, which is an Air Force base that housed US Air Force and other NATO allies during the Cold War. And uh, over one million trees were actually felled during the Second World War to build this airbase in 1943. So it gives you an idea of how 
close to the forest it actually is. Yeah. They had to kill part of the forest to build it. Yeah. Not great. No. But, uh, you know, shit happens. Yeah. Um, so, in the early hours of Boxing Day, a.k.a. December 26, 1980, a patrolman near the east gate of RAF Woodbridge spotted some lights in the night sky descending into into ooh, descending into Rendlesham Forest next to the base. That's never good. You don't want lights to be descending into something. Um, I don't know. It sounds like the beginning of a fun story. <laughs> True. Now, it was initially suspected to be an aircraft of some kind, which had either been shot down or sustained some kind of damage and was then crashing to Earth in the forest. It's like, that sucks. Um, mm. So Yeah, you wouldn't really want to crash into a forest. No, 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 no. It's, it's very spiky. Yeah. And there's nowhere I would like to crash to Earth. No, but like a spe there's like a lot of obstacles in your way in a forest. You want like a yeah. nice open field if you're going to have to with crash. A, with a big like trampoline or bouncy castle or even just an outstretched blanket. Yeah, or like bales of hay or something. Bales of hay aren't soft. I know, but we like... ever sat on one? True. Yes, I have on many a haunted hayride type of situation. <laughs> oh, I've never done that, but you know, village shows, country fairs. Oh, yeah. Oh, well, sticks and bales... Well, not bales of hay, bales of straw out for, for people to sit on, like, horribly uncomfortable. Wouldn't like to smack into one. It is uncomfortable. I'm having, like flashbacks to field trips to like the apple orchard and stuff and like first grade and having to sit outside on like hay bales and shit very itchy mm. uh anyway they thought yeah, our attention has our attention spans have not got any better no. really, have they no uh so they thought it was a, a plane or something crashing so a group of servicemen were dispatched to investigate the fallen aircraft and assist any surviving crew if any were to survive oh you know arrest them depending oh, who they were yeah i mean it is it was the cold it is war. the cold war yeah <laughs> now most of what we know about this incident comes from a memo written by lieutenant colonel charles i halt entitled unexplained lights <laughs> Good, good. Um, and according to this memo, the servicemen spotted a glowing object, metallic in appearance with colored lights. But as they tried to approach the craft, it seemed to move through the trees and disturb the local wildlife, as well as the livestock on nearby farms that bordered the forest, sending the animals into some kind of quote-unquote frenzy. I don't yep. want frenzied cows. No, you don't want frenzied cows or sheep or Deer. anything at 3 a.m. No, not so much. Like, you already get frenzied cockerels at 3 a.m. Yeah. Mm. So you don't need any more than that. No. Um, local police were contacted, but by the time they arrived at 4 a.m., an hour after the lights were first spotted, there was no sign of the craft or any lights in the forest. Police recorded the call out and said that they could only see the lights from the Orford Ness Lighthouse, which is about six miles away as the crow flies. 
later that morning, in the daylight, the servicemen returned to the area of the forest where they'd seen the craft, like, early that morning. But there were no signs of any aircraft, of any kind, earthly or otherwise. They did, however, find a set of three impressions in the ground that formed a triangular pattern, along with scorch marks and broken branches on nearby trees. Local police were once again called to the scene, but all they noted was the impressions on the ground and claiming they were left by an animal. Sure. Big triangular fire animal. Yeah. 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 That one. Yeah, very familiar sight in these rural forests. <laughs> you know, the English um, fire snake. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say the English, like, fire rabbit. Ooh. That sounds terrifying. That sounds like a Monty <laughs> Python sketch right there. <laughs> so, as well as Holt's memo describing the event, there's also the notebook of Sergeant Jim Penniston, who, uh, and this notebook, notebook was displayed publicly in a documentary for the Sci-Fi Channel, broadcast in 2003. In it, he claims that he and the other servicemen encountered, quote, a craft of unknown origin. But regardless of what the patrolmen and the servicemen did or didn't see, there wasn't much time for investigation, because in the early hours of December 28th, there was a second incident. Oh my god. So, in the early hours of December 28th, Lieutenant Colonel Charles Halt led a group of servicemen back to the clearing in the woods where they had encountered the craft two nights before. The aim of this early morning expedition into the forest was to take radiation readings from the impressions on the ground and some of the trees that bore scorch marks, but the readings didn't show anything out of the ordinary. However, according to Halt's memo, while they didn't detect any unusual radiation, or at least nothing to conclusively point towards otherworldly beings, they did see lights in the sky again. Three star-like lights appeared in the sky while the servicemen were in the forest, two to the north and one to the south of the forest. These lights lasted for three hours, and the brightest one appeared to periodically stream down a beam of light. Sometimes they're described as just lights, while other sources describe them as being specifically red and orange lights, but we don't know for sure. Almost three weeks later, on January 13th, 1981, Lieutenant Colonel Halt composed his unexplained lights memo and sent it to the Ministry of Defense. Three weeks later. Mm. So just to clarify, Halt is American and the Ministry of Defense or MOD in this instance is the UK Defense Department. But we're not sure if the servicemen were British, American a combination of both, or possibly servicemen from other NATO countries, which sometimes used the base during the Cold War. Now, there were no more sightings by Halt and the servicemen at RAF Woodbridge in late 1980 to early 1981. Halt's memo was not classified, and the lights in the sky above Rendlesham Forest were reported in the British media. But after a brief cursory investigation, the Ministry of Defense concluded that there was no evidence of any aircraft landing in the forest in December 1980, and that whatever had happened in the trees that night didn't pose a threat to national security, 
so there was no need to investigate further. Obviously. And of course, we all take everything our governments say about UFOs, or lack thereof, as complete gospel and we don't question it whatsoever. No, I would never. No. 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 Now, for a moment, we are going to humour the sceptics, even though we definitely don't sit in that camp. Nah. And look at how they have explained the Rendlesham Forest incident. So as with most lights in the sky type of incidents, the lights have been explained away as being fireball, meteorite type thing, burning up as it fell through the Earth's atmosphere. Mm. Similarly, some have explained them as being stars that were particularly bright on those nights, especially when you combine it with a rural location, which would mean, you know, stars are just more visible mm-hmm. than in towns and cities because there's less light pollution. Yeah. Another explanation for the lights that has been offered is that it's actually the lamp from Orford Ness Lighthouse, which is about six miles-ish away. Now, according to Wikipedia, because I couldn't find another source for this, the brightest lighthouse in the UK at the time, in 1980, was Orford Ness. Or it could have been uh, landing beams from RAF Bentwaters. Another RAF base, which is on the other side of the forest from RAF Woodbridge. And, you know, through the trees, all these different lights appeared as, like, unexplained lights and they're actually just beams from various Uh lighthouses and, you know, small aircraft and things. Yeah. As you can tell, we sound very convinced. (laughs) Now, you might be thinking, even if we could square all that away, that, you know, a group of people could mistake a lamp from a lighthouse with red and orange lights from an alien craft in the sky. Mistaking a lamp, a fireball, even bright skies for an alien craft doesn't explain the scorch marks, the triangle impressions, any of that. Mm -hmm. So according to a sceptic who contributed to a BBC article marking the 40th anniversary of Rendlesham, which is only 18 months ago, Mm -hmm. the 40th anniversary, uh, these impressions were nothing more than rabbit scrapes, and the scorch marks were actually axe marks where the trees had been cut back. And, you know, what of the broken branches? Forests are full of broken branches. Nothing to see here. I mean, that one, sure. Broken trees and shit, that happens in forests for any number of reasons. Mm. But rabbits and and actually these burn marks are axe marks? Yeah, I've I've never seen axe marks that look like scotch marks. No. Like scotch marks are black. Yeah, they have a particular character that's hard to and to uh, misidentify. <laughs> although these ideas do match up with the police reports from both nights mm. they were called to the forest. Mm. But yeah, like th- a triangle impression and rabbit scrapes—that's not the same thing. Because if it was rabbit scrapes. It would be a continuous mark through yeah. the grass. Yeah. Now, sticking in the realm of the boring and the rational, which is, if you haven't figured it out by now, quite obviously not a place where we live, but yep. here we are anyway, doing our best to fit in. Um, <laughs> claims were made in 2018 that the Rendlesham Forest incident wasn't UFO. 
and it wasn't a case of mistaken identity of the lights from lighthouses and runways or bright stars, but that it was, in fact, a secret answer number three, a hoax. Womp womp. (laughs) (sighs) So, I I love this thing. (laughs) (laughs) So, in 2018, UFO researcher David Clark reported that the incident was actually a hoax and part of a revenge plot against the U.S. Air Force. I'm sorry, if you're going to get revenge against anyone, don't make it the U.S. Air Force, who literally has fucking fighter jets at their disposal. Okay, Mm -hmm. anyway. um, In August 1980, the SAS, or Specialist Air Service, which is one of, if not the most elite military unit in the UK, or... Yeah, I mean, if we're going to talk about ranks in in military, like, SAS would probably have a shot going up against someone else. True. Yes. Yeah. Um... So, in August 1980, the SAS were conducting a training exercise to test security at RAF Bentwaters uh, because it was a nuclear weapons site at the time. Now, to test security, the SAS parachuted into the base, and they were picked up by the recently upgraded surveillance equipment at RAF Woodbridge. As a result, they were captured and interrogated, and allegedly, possibly tortured or sustained some injuries um, at the hands of American servicemen who were unaware of SAS training activities in the area. Yikes. Uh, <laughs> it's not really, not really good for allyship, is it? No, and it's not a good advert for the SAS. No. Because they've par- they're meant to parachute into Bent Wars and they've actually parachuted into the forest. Yeah. And then they've gotten picked up by the surveillance equipment at the other base, too. Yeah. Just kind of all over the place here. Yeah. It took a wrong turn somewhere, I think. Yeah, took a wrong wrong turn mid-air. Yeah. It happens. <laughs> what are you going to do? Uh Now, sources vary as to what kind of treatment was endured by the SAS servicemen while in U.S. custody. During interrogation, the U.S. servicemen had used the words illegal aliens, quote-unquote, to refer to the men they had captured, claiming they were a danger to the, quote, sovereign soil of the U.S. airbase. Because if anyone doesn't know, like, when there's U.S., like, military operations, in other countries, those air bases are considered to be U.S. soil, like U.S. land. Yeah. I mean, it is also debatable because other countries and NATO, other NATO allies were using the base. Yeah. And the RAF was still using yeah, the base Yeah, it's like literally well. called RAF. <laughs> yeah. Like, if, if anyone doesn't know, the RAF is the Royal Air Force. Yeah. It's the British Air Force, yeah. basically. Or UK Air Force. So, you know, there's a few questions of who owns that bit of land. (laughs) Oh, God. Uh, So whilst the term illegal alien is common in the US to refer to someone who has entered or is in a country illegally, it isn't a term that's used in the UK when we talk about immigration. We tend to use migrant, illegal migrant, uh, 
the generally preferred yeah. term, the generally preferred term on this side of the pond. But it did, however, according to David Clark, uh, sow some seeds for some good old fashioned Christmas revenge fun <laughs> on the SAS's part. So, citing an anonymous source who was given the name Frank for the purposes of this story, we didn't name him. Oh. No, David Clark named him. <laughs> so, um, and there is a link to David Clark's website in the show notes that's got this this story about this this letter. So, uh, David Clark explains that after being called illegal aliens by the U.S. servicemen, the SAS servicemen decided they would show them what aliens really look like. The SAS parachute uh, SAS parachuters rigged up a series of kites, balloons, and flares in a clearing in the forest. So the balloons were filled with helium, kites were remote controlled, and according to this source, Frank, it was simply supposed to be, you know, a bit of Christmas hijinks at the expense of the US Air Force. <laughs> but there was a problem. You see. As well as the memo sent to the Ministry of Defence, Holt also brought along a tape recorder on the second night, and the sounds he recorded of the flares and kites and balloons zipping around the forest was enough to convince him that the incident was an alien craft, and therefore he reported it to the Ministry of Defence. And according to Frank, someone in London, you know, high up in the British military, recalled the events of August where the SAS servicemen were captured in the forest, parachuting into the wrong airbase, and, you know, suggested maybe it's a hoax, a bit of fun, a re- you know, a bit of Christmassy revenge. Just happens, you know. Uh, there were a few red faces in the US Air Force, and that was supposed to be it. But alas, here we are. So, now some have disputed this explanation. Many questions have been asked about whether or not the U.S. military were actually storing nuclear weapons on British soil, and that does still seem to be a a point of contention. Um, This coupled with claims that while the SAS did perform training exercises similar to those described by Frank to test security at military bases, they did not carry out these training exercises on bases used by the American military. Which you can understand. Yeah. Because even though it's like, it's the Cold War, they are NATO allies, you don't go parachuting into another country's military bases. Yes. Just, just to test them. Because unless they're fly, like using giant Union Jack parachutes, it's really hard to tell who's falling into your Air Force base from below. Yeah, and I, I, I might be wrong. I don't think the SAS advertise who they are when they're parachuting into someone else's military base yeah generally that's not a thing you want to do i think it's a bit more secretive yeah it's like kind of you know trying to be covert or whatever um so uh it has also been suggested that had such a prank been played by the sas on the u.s air force then it would have been common knowledge and perhaps even legendary among the SAS and the U.S. Air Force. The page on David Clark's website about this hoax theory uh, called Who Dares Wins is linked in the episode description with the full rundown. Um, it's Yeah. And Who Dares Wins is the motto of the SAS. Ah, appropriate. Mm. Uh, it is worth 
noting that David Clark first received the letter from Frank about the hoax on April 1st, leading some, including Clark himself, to suspect that the letter about the hoax is in fact a hoax. Oh, the layers. Yeah, it's a hoax inside a hoax. Good God. Hoaxception. Wrapped inside of an alien. Yes. Uh, before David Clark published his findings about whether or not the lights were a hoax, BBC Inside Out published an article uh, with, with claims from a former US Air Force US Air Force patrolman called Kevin Cond. Cond? Uh, that it was a practical joke he played on his fellow servicemen by driving his patrol car out into the forest and turning on the blue and red emergency lights, as well as flash as shining flashlights through the mist and the trees. But in all the descriptions that we've found about these lights, none of them were described as blue. Hmm. However... The idea that the Renaultium lights were a hoax carried out by someone other than the SAS is also a perfectly reasonable, plausible explanation. But we're not going there. We're taking a hard left into supernatural explanations because it's just who we are as people. Uh, So the final and most popular theory as to what caused the lights in Rendlesham Forest in December 1980 is, of course... Aliens. Duh. I mean, we all knew this was coming. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. So, of course, the favorite explanation is that the lights in Rendlesham Forest were caused by aliens who landed a UFO in the forest, and then it was covered up by both the UK and the US military and their governments. Because that's just how these things go, y'all. Although, unlike the Roswell incident, to which the Rendlesham Forest incident is often compared, there are no rumors of debris being left at the scene or that alien beings actually landed and were captured. While the Halt memo talks of witnessing the aircraft land and seeing lights in the sky, it doesn't actually speak of alien beings. Um, There are other witnesses who claim to have seen and even interacted with these otherworldly creatures. According to the book, with the longest title ever, Conspiracy Theories, The Greatest Plots, Collusions, and Cover-Ups. Say that five times fast. Um, no. Okay. <laughs> Stop right there. I was going to give it a shot, but no. Uh, the base commander Gordon Williams claims that he approached the UFO and communicated with aliens through sign language. It's convenient that they both knew sign language. Was it like was it ASL? ASL? Was, was it, it BSL? BSL? Was it alien SL? Outer space SL? Yeah, OSL. OSSS. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah, just that's handy. The book also references another unnamed witness who said they watched as the aliens or creatures repaired their craft before it took off again in a burst of bright light. Um, Others claimed to have entered a trance-like state and that the group of servicemen experienced a sense of confusion when the craft left and they came to. Do you know what I find quite interesting? 
is that so if you read like say you read wikipedia as like a start point uh-huh. and like bbc articles others from like you know reputable news sources national news sources none of them that i read anyway had anything about the like the trance the seeing the aliens repair their craft the sign language it's only when you look at fringe websites that this starts to come up yeah which i found quite interesting yeah i was actually fact checking and i have a that i have that conspiracy book and i was like oh i think rendlesham's in this Mm -hmm. and i have another book which it's also in and so i was like cross-referencing my two books and the conspiracy one i was like oh so I went and like I started to look at some more like fringe websites. I was like, oh, interesting. This is interesting. Yeah, it's a cover up. That's mm. why. Um, a journalist, Ian Ridpath, has written extensively on the Rendlesham Forest incident and claims that it boasts one of the highest number of witnesses of any known UFO incident in history. However, there are many different versions of events which directly conflict with one another, and it's difficult to know which version of events is correct. Um, so yeah, that is the story of the Rendlesham Forest incident. A hoax, a prank, the biggest cover-up in British history, or the most important UFO incident of all time. That's uh, that's up for y- up to you. Oh my god, that's up to you to decide. Yeah. Um. So, what are your thoughts? Oh, like honestly. So, out of all the boring, like this worldly theories, the one about a guy like parking his truck on the other side of the forest and shining lights through the mist <laughs> is the most logical one to me because. Mist and fog refracts light really weirdly. Mm-hmm. But it's aliens. Obviously, it's aliens. Yeah. I, I, the, the patrolman, I'm like, did you just make this up like 20 years later? Like some journalist yes. offered you some money, like you were at Rendlesham Forest. Here, yeah. Here's, here, have some readies. Yeah. Definitely. Readies are 50 pound notes <laughs> for uh... anyone. Over the age of like eighty, well, just anyone who's young or not from Britain. <laughs> like, like if you're under the age of thirty, that's what they are. I love. I just love the idea of the SAS. Yeah. Like the, like I'm pretty sure they are the most elite military unit in this country. They're like the the Navy SEALs of the. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they're like hard, hard as nails. Like you know, like Bear Grylls and oh, what's it? There was like another one. There's like loads of TV shows where they basically take celebrities and put them through. Oh, the like, train, SA- yeah, yeah, SS training things like that, and just to see if that if they can break them, basically. Yeah, like I just love the idea of them. <laughs> Firstly, parachuting into the wrong place. Yeah. Getting caught. Yeah. So they're trying to parachute into one base. They missed it. Got picked up on the satellite surveillance from another base. Another one. Were then captured and tortured. <laughs> Allegedly, maybe, maybe not. Who knows? Yeah. 
And then we're like, well, you know, to get them back, because they called us illegal aliens in our own country, what we're going to do is we're going to get some helium balloons, we're going to get some kites, we're going to get some flares, we're going to remote control this, and we're going to convince them that there are aliens here. Yeah, like, hey, guys, you don't want to really get their goat. <laughs> I just Are you kidding that. me? But I don't believe it. No. Like, it's a great story. Yeah. But great it's... Great story. Total bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, it's aliens, obviously. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And I know it sounds like we take the piss a lot, but I genuinely do believe in aliens. I... I don't know who said it, there's like this really famous quote and it's like, there are two possibilities, either we are not the only uh, like intelligent quote-unquote species in the universe, mm. we either aren't the only one or we are, and both are equally terrifying. Yeah. I think, personally, I just think it's so arrogant to think that if the universe is in fact infinite, never mm. ends, to f- think that we are the only, let's say, intelligent species the only inhabited planet like there has to be life somewhere else yeah and if the universe isn't infinite and if it is a various parallel universes well there are obviously aliens yeah in other universes yeah so yeah i i honestly believe it was aliens yeah i mean i like i don't this is there's a lot of thoughts just ping-ponging around my head. Basically, okay. like... Let's work them out one at a time. <laughs> I also believe that, like, the human race or whatever, like, all of the various life forms that we know on the Earth cannot possibly be the only forms of life in the entire universe because that's just stupid. Like, yeah. there's... <laughs> We're so small in comparison to everything else, and it only makes sense that other carbon-based life forms would have formed similarly to how we have. Now, I think the thing that I struggle with is that, like, I don't know, like, I don't really believe that other intelligent life it probably doesn't look the way that it's always depicted in film and television. Like, it's not little green men. It's probably some, like... It's not a gray. Yeah. It's not like the, you know, alien Halloween mask you get with the big eyes and the tiny mouth yeah. and stuff. Like, it's probably some, like, glowing ball of light that's a super smart, like, consciousness hive mind or something. Like, some crazy yeah. shit. But, like, so that's what I struggle with. I'm like, it's so... <laughs> There's so many possibilities that my brain has to go like, no, no, stop it. Like, hit, hit you on the nose with a newspaper. Like, just just <laughs> go sit down like, and don't just, think just... about these things because it's fucking terrifying. Yeah, just hit the webcam to slap you on the nose. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, like, yeah. But I totally believe that, like, people have seen things that yeah. cannot be explained What the fuck those things actually are who knows yeah. um and also i think that some of these incidents are just misunderstandings as well like i think it's oh, a it's a combo yeah. platter yeah um yeah i definitely think like 
there will have been like lights in the sky that will have been military training operations. Yeah, helicopters, like... There will have been SAS parachuting into somewhere to test the security because they've admitted to it. Yeah, (laughs) just what they did. Only on British bases. Yeah. So, like, I, I don't think all... I think some of these, you know, lights in the sky think some of them will be misunderstandings because that's just human nature but i absolutely 100 percent believe that there are also ones that aren't yeah and that are like aliens yeah um so i think i mentioned this in the zygmunt adamski episode which was like halloween to 2020 so my dad and his friend saw lights in the sky near the RAF base near where we live, which is RAF Filingdales, in the 1980s. Now, RAF Filingdales is part of the early warning system, mm-hmm. which for America, I think, is 15 to 25 minute warning. Uh-huh. Uh, for the UK, it's four minutes. So it's literally like, which means it would be three minutes because you'd have to have it broadcasted, which basically is like, just hide the queen. It's yeah, so it's uh, and possibly it, the prime minister as well. Yeah, it's warning of a nuclear attack or something, right? Yeah, basically, is the so, idea. Yeah, and there is still, I mean, that was part of it is still part of the like American early warning system, and it was part of the Cold War uh, uh, missile warning system. How effective it is today with like the military, like the nuclear weapons that have been developed today. We don't know. We don't want to find out. We, we don't. We don't think about that too hard. <laughs> yeah, like my my dad and his friend one night saw lights at the base. They did report it uh, to the RAF, well, whoever the commander at Filingdales was, whoever they could contact, mm-hmm. uh, and never heard anything else back, which isn't uncommon. Yeah, but um, also they're trying to cover it up. Well, there is that. Yeah, but. You know, lots of people have seen lights in the sky near air bases. Yeah. So it can be something completely innocent. But also when you've got some sources that are like, oh, there were little aliens fixing their spaceship. <laughs> yeah. Well, 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 I mean, that's more than just a light in the sky. Yes. So, yeah. See, my thing with a lot of these alien reports... Like, I'm much more likely to believe a report of, I saw unexplained lights and they were moving in a weird way over a certain portion of land or whatever, than, oh, the aliens came down and one of them, his name was Bob, and he probed me and we had, you know, he bought me dinner first and it was really nice and (laughs) all this. Like, I just like, it's too much, it's too much detail. I don't believe you. But as long as he bought you dinner first, it's fine. Yeah, that's fine. Like... As long as it's consensual probing. Yeah. Like, I I feel like it's the ones that are sort of, like, weirder and more esoteric that I am much more likely to be like, yeah, seems legit. Mm. So the thing about, oh, yeah, like, the alien, he was fixing his spaceship. To me, I'm like, no, nah, bullshit. But there's, like, weird lights in the sky all about it. Mm. <laughs> Maybe that's yeah. just me. <laughs> no, I, I do agree. I mean... But when you look at like ca- like cave paintings and things of like very early sort of ancient civilizations, mm-hmm. um, there are 
like cave paintings that look like that you know like the gray kind of yeah. it's a gray face and the big eyes and a little mouth it's kind it's, of triangular yeah yeah like a rounded kind of triangular sort of shape they came from somewhere yeah it's true so but they ain't around there ain't an explanation there isn't a rosetta stone that explains <laughs> that we know this. of well well that's another thing um but yeah, so these ideas have to come from somewhere, but like you say, they they just pitched up, they repaired their craft, they spoke yeah. to us in sign language, yeah, and yeah. then they were on their way. Yeah, it's a bit too neat a bow. Exactly, I think that's the thing. So, I a few weeks ago I saw a meme kind of thing, and it was like, imagine how terrifying it would be if aliens landed on Earth, communicated with something deep in the Marianas Trench, and then fucked off again. <laughs> and I'm like, yes, this is the alien I'm into. Uh, <laughs> this, is, this is what, you, like, you have my attention. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's all, like I said, it's just like, there's so many possibilities, it's just so overwhelming, I feel like. Yeah. But, yeah, I, I absolutely believe there is something else out there. I agree. And also, also, speaking of the Marianas Trench, when you look at some deep sea creatures, oh. them things are from like another, another world. I prefer not to look at deep sea creatures because they scare the shit out of me. You don't like deep sea creatures. You don't like birds. You don't nope. like what? What is it with you? Uh, I like small fuzzy mammals, basically. Okay. Like, you like dogs. Like dogs. Not just small dogs. Big dogs. I like cats. I like some rodents. Trash pandas. Love a trash panda. Uh, saw a video online today of a raccoon getting like fully pamper groomed. Like getting his <laughs> belly brushed, getting his teeth brushed, getting his paws massaged. I was like, yeah, man, that's the life. <laughs> um yeah birds are terrifying they have hollow uh bones and no arms and just kind of wings like, yeah but they don't have hands and it's weird to me no but they do use their wings have you ever seen birds hug each other it's cute okay they scare me they're dinosaurs they're literal fucking dinosaurs flying yeah, around they're cute and feathery I don't think... and they sometimes can talk I don't think they're that cute. Also, the talking ones are terrifying. Like, how do they? I don't know. Anyway. Have it your way. Me me and Max, we sit. We sit in the window. We watch the birds. He meows every time a bird lands. It's an early <laughs> warning system for a bird spotter. <laughs> there you go. There you Seriously, go. Seriously, did the big garden bird watch this year. It's like one weekend in January. You count the birds in your garden. And send it to the Royal Society for the Protection of Birds. They compile it. Max sat with me. Every time I looked away to write a bird down, he started chirping because another one had landed. Well, so there you go. You got a system in place. This has nothing to do with aliens, does it? No. Well, sky creatures. Yeah. Anyway. I still think <laughs> aliens will not communicate with us. They will communicate with something in the Marianas. I mean, if you've met us... As a species, 
Would you want to communicate with us? I sure as shit wouldn't. <laughs> I mean, our representatives are um, Elon Musk, you know, just touristing about in space, Richard Branson, and Jeff Bezos. And Jeff Bezos' rocket looks like a cock. <laughs> I mean, yeah. It out does. Of, out of like, those... It's uh, very phallic. Of course like, it is. It's the whole if point. If you saw them... <laughs> well, yeah. If you saw them and you were like, no, we're going to find something else to talk to. Yeah. I mean, out of those three, I think I'd pick Richard Branson. Like, lesser of all evils there. Yeah, okay. So regardless of what actually happened, uh, Rendlesham Forest, as say owned by the Forestry Commission, or Forestry England... They, in 2005, built a UFO trail through the forest for kids. Good, good, good. If I ever find myself in that part of Sussex, I will be going on this UFO trail. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Um, yeah. A fun, fun note to end on. Yeah. Um, and if you find yourself in Rendlesham Forest, be on the lookout for yeah. aliens. For aliens for uh, for rabbits running through, yeah, like um, fire rabbits, mm. or a kite and a flare, yeah, you know, emergency lights flashing, fucking dumbass, high caliber military guys just parachuting <laughs> into the wrong fucking place. I mean, okay, yeah, yeah. So. So. Yeah, let us know your thoughts. Was was it like a prank between the SAS and US Air Force? Yeah. Was it was it a fire rabbit? Was it yeah. alien? Like, just, just let us know your thoughts. Yeah, because uh, um, you've heard ours, and they're you know <laughs> can't be any stupid no. than us. <laughs> exactly. So yeah, let us know. Yes, do. And yeah, thank you for listening. Now, you may remember last week, we talked slightly cryptically, depending how much Taylor edited in or out. Probably cryptically. About... Hmm? Probably cryptically. Haven't edited yeah. yet, so we'll see. <laughs> yeah, about yetis versus aliens. Mm -hmm. Now, our patrons may remember, last year we did a bonus episode on the Dyatlov Pass incident. And we're so intrigued by it that we're revisiting it in this month's blog, which will be coming out this Friday, hopefully. Um, so check that out this weekend and all will be revealed in terms of yetis versus aliens yes. so that's it's a free blog but it's it's hosted on Patreon but it is free for anyone to read so it's patreon.com forward slash square mile of murder just scroll down and then the blogs will be there yeah. somewhere Um, and we can finally answer the age old question of yetis, yetis versus aliens versus aliens yeah. Both. The answer is both. Spoiler alert. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so if you like whatever the fuck this is, and why would you? But if you do, holy shit, uh, be sure to rate and review us on your podcast app of choice, especially Apple Podcasts. And you should also subscribe so you never miss a goddamn extraterrestrial minute of this <laughs> and if you want some cool square mile merch 
we do have that for your purchasing opportunity. Um, and you can get that at squaremileofmurder.store. And the link will also be in our show notes or on our website. And if you want a Yetis versus Aliens t-shirt after you read the blog post, let us know. Because we could do that. <laughs> Think about it, guys. Yeah. Think about it. If you would like to help us cover the costs of making whatever this is. Maybe you don't us, at this point. <laughs> help us invest in the future of whatever, whatever this, this is. <laughs> and listen to the episodes on Diatlov and the Lesser Diatlovs. Yes. You can join our Patreon page. Tiers start at just £1 per month. Every patron gets regular episodes a day early, a shout-out on this show, priority case requests, and a lifetime discount on merch. Now, that's just for £1 a month. As the tiers go up, you get even more, including bonus episodes and exclusive little stationery that you can't buy anywhere. So check all that out at patreon.com forward slash square mile of murder. Links are in all the usual places. Next month, we are going back to true crime. We promise. <laughs> if you want. <laughs> I mean, maybe you don't want it. <laughs> we don't know at this point. We're just here. <laughs> yeah. Look, you tell us what you want us to look at. Like, I yeah, think we're cause... more inclined to true crime, but this stuff is fun to talk about every once in a while. So if you got stuff, yeah. we want to hear it. Yeah, we like I. But I mean, I love conspiracy theories. I love mysteries. Anything like this. Yeah. It's fun. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, tell Do us. Do you have a couple more episodes in this vein for April? And then, May, we are going a bit closer to life on Earth. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we'll see you then. And yeah. uh, we will keep our eyes on the skies. Till next time. We will uh, see you next week. Yeah. Thanks so much for listening. See you then. Bye. Bye.